What's up, boss? Well, you you got me up at the at the crack of dawn, and it's even earlier where you are. We're doing this before your workday happens. Oh yeah, uh, but I've got good coffee. I had a piece of avocado toast. <laughs> um, I'm powered up. Okay. Why don't you start by uh, telling us what uh, Psalm 144 says? Oh, sure. Well, look, I happen to have it just here. It's a fantastic uh, chapter in totality, but the, the last few verses are really important for our community, 12 through 15. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. So this is speaking about the blessing and the fruits and the benefits of those in the Lord that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as pillars sculpted in palace style. So that's the key verse I'll go back to. But then he goes on to talk about that our barns would be full and that our oxen would be well laden, no breaking in or going out, no outcry in our streets. Uh, happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. So essentially, it's this idea that there's profound blessing and obedience and in walking in faithfulness to to our king. But when we focus on verse 13, I'll interrupt you. You can go back yeah. to verse 13. Yeah. You sent out um, a, an email this week to your Viceroy subscribers that I thought was tremendous. It's actually something I've been thinking about myself. The insulation the, the luxury that we have of walking in the Lord so that when they are literally talking every day on the news about the possibility of World War III and, and the, you remember war games with Matthew Broderick? Of um, thermonuclear war. We have this luxury of, of not being uh, knocked off of our foundation by any news that could possibly come our way because... We, we have the luxury as followers of the king that we, we, our confidence isn't based on any of those things. So anyways, I, I really appreciated your, your note that was just about um, gratitude um, and the delight of, of uh, being under the king's authority. Um, so that's, that's what Psalm 144 is talking about, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I titled that The Embarrassment of Riches and um, just talking about how um, it's really when you when you're meeting with people who are in total, total frizzy chaos, um, disarray. Frazzle, disarray, marriages in collapse, children in collapse. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, you go on and they're talking about how riddled they are with anxieties, etc then it feels awkward. And I think that was kind of the point of the email was I kind of sometimes feel awkward to go. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be this way. You can, you can, you can establish yourself and by falling upon, <laughs> uh, upon the Lord. And uh, yeah, there will be a breaking, a shattering in your life, but it will mean that you're built upon the Lord and he does not move. And um, so I, you know, it just, I'm having conversations with people all the time where I'm like, just go back to the Lord. If you'll just bolt down to the Lord, then it solves a lot of stuff. I'm not saying that your life is without pain or struggle. Yeah. Or hardship. I'm saying you're bolted to better stuff. Yes. Um, so anyway, yeah. So, so here I am, uh, Psalm 144 verse 12. I just want to reread that one verse because it pertains to 
this coming of age event that we just had that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth and that our daughters may be as pillars sculpted in palace style. That basically the idea is, is that we want sons prematurely mature. And that really does cut across the grain of our culture and a society that wants to elongate and extend the period of adolescence as long as possible. I'm, I'm interested in my sons coming into maturity way before Every, everybody else in their peer set. I want them like acquiring more responsibility. I want them thinking with longer vision. I want them understanding self-discipline. I want them doing those things that are the traits of maturity as early as possible. And if people say, well, then you're robbing them of their childhood. I say, no, no, they had a great childhood. <laughs> they, they had a great childhood. But at, at our designation point of 13, which I can get into later, there's a transition and, and really that's what the entire event is about is about crossing a threshold and moving into a new season both in their minds so that they get that really like sorted like oh i am not that anymore i am this and this comes with a lot more freedoms and responsibilities and so the, the idea of being prematurely mature is really precious to us. And it's the thing that we talk about in our community all the time. Now, it's interesting because that's not necessarily the command given or, or hope of daughters, which is different. It says that, uh, that our daughters may be as pillars sculpted in palace style. And I, I love that because it's a much better understanding of what a a uh, powerful young woman looks like than whatever Hollywood throws up as Wonder Woman. Right? Yeah. So it's not about this dynamic uh, version of a male. It's about <laughs> a, a grace, an elegance, a beauty, a quiet strength. Because a pillar, it serves an architectural purpose. And it is to both decorate and beautify and establish whatever overhangs it in the architecture. And that means that she's installed in a household, like in a palace household, and brings glory to the household. Well, what I want for my daughters is that they are quiet of spirit, that they are resolved, that they are stable emotionally, that they have a, a de defined identity, a chiseled identity in the Lord, and that they're able to stand and bring beauty and glory to every, everything around it. The thought that I have about the pillars is, as you mentioned, elegance and stateliness, but the primary thing for a pillar is that it's shouldering huge responsibility. And it seems like that verse as a description of a young woman is a great setup for the Proverbs 31 picture, where she is shouldering a lot of responsibility and making a household run, an oikos run, um, but a young woman is learning how to shoulder that responsibility and not daunted by the, by the prospect of developing into this Proverbs 31 woman. That's right. Um, and, it, so, and it's a real, it's a real period of training. If you think about it like that, like she's, yes. she's coming into a season, um, where she's learning how to do all of the things that will be required of her. I mean, the Proverbs 31 woman is, is impressive in every regard. But you know that she got there through faithful training of older women. Yeah, that's right. 
I, I was thinking about this when I was brushing my teeth this morning that I want to be careful. I don't, we didn't do, by the way, we've had four of these bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah parties, uh-huh. uh, these coming of age events. Um, we've done four and I want to be careful that we, I don't frame them as being against culture. I frame them for being for the culture that I'm building into my household and into mm-hmm. our community. So it's less reactive against uh, against big nasty culture like the, the sea, the wind, and the waves, and the chaos of our moment. And it's more about what is it that I can proactively build in. Because, you know, as a young man, and Stephen, you remember me back then. Uh, I nobody told me what I was supposed to be doing, and nobody, sure as heck, nobody's been telling these young guys what they're supposed to be doing or building. Yeah. Um, they don't have a clue. And I'm talking about people who are raised up in, in faithful households and churches, whatever. The foundation pillars are rickety at best, and they really don't know what it is that their life is supposed to be spent for or what they should be building. So to me, most of my life up until having kids was about, I wouldn't say it this way then, but essentially as living my best life now. And uh-huh. it was very, it's very self-absorbed. And when you're a 20-year-old kid, of course, that would be true. You have the most freedom with the least responsibility that you'll ever have in your whole life. Yeah. And so why not, you know, let's light the fuse and let's get after it. Let's have fun. But so I don't, I don't fault a college kid for being immature. Um, I, but when, when I look at how do I get kids further down the road than, than what is swirling around them. I'm thinking I've got to impart identity quickly. They need to have an identity. So, uh, so bolted into their soul that when their peer set turns around and starts telling them, Oh, you're this, you're like this, that it's too late. It's too late. You're all, you're all full up. The cup is already full. You can't add more of what it is you want need my my son or my daughter to be because that's already full so so that impartation of identity is huge the idea that their life is not their own so it's essential basic basic discipleship which is my life isn't my own and it's under the authority of the master and so however i live whatever choices i make all of that is in worship and honor to the lord and the third thing that's really important during these this time of transition is that they are really connected deeply into thick community. So that's been one of the most fun components of all this. Cause when we started this five years ago with my first son, when he turned 13, nobody handed me a script. I didn't have a downloadable PDF. I didn't have anything to go off of. I was really flying blind. There were other, there were some resources that I had picked up. Um, I think I had conversations with you probably with Jeremy Pryor, probably with some other people that I was getting some ideas, some fodder. But five years ago, when we jumped into it, it was it was a blank slate. And so we just kind of did things that made sense to us. And one of the coolest components was that everybody in our in our faith community brought a gift that was a prophetic symbolic gift um, about who, who this kid is or something prophetic about who they are crafted to be and where they're going. And there was a time at the end where the men of the community called, 
called the son up and out in, and welcomed him into the, the men, into manhood. And it was really powerful. It was powerful because uh, what it did is established in Liam's mind, dad's not the only guy that I can go to. And it's really important that there's other men that aren't my dad, because when I, when I lock horns with dad, I need to be able to go talk to somebody. And so it, it was, it was tremendous. And, and the same thing happens for girls. I mean, the women get around and they have a time of blessing and welcoming into womanhood. First of all, I know it's not a reaction to any, it's not reactive to anything going on in pop culture because this little uh, thing that you're entering into has been going on for thousands of years. It's a tradition that isn't uh, described in scripture, th this right. coming of age event, this party thing. But um, it's kind of like the uh, order of the home. It's something that endures no matter what culture rises and falls around it um, because it smacks of the king's plan and the, and the culture and the characteristics of the king. Go back five years and go, um, I've got a... 12 year old son i see him as he he I, 12 year olds do things that make you go oh they're growing up and they also do things that go oh this is still a little kid sure and you're thinking um i someday i want him to be a man and how do i put the pieces into place for that to happen and then and then did you just arrive at Whatever those Jews do with that bar mitzvah, I got to crack the code and figure out what they're doing there. Yeah, basically, it, it's true. The bar mitzvah is not in the scriptures. It's actually a medieval. It has sources in medieval uh, Europe. So the Jewish communities in Europe, they they were, I think, probably actively looking for how is it that we inculcate and instill in in our children the, a, a different. Uh, a different way of being culturally, you know, so you have displaced Jewish people in, that are Dutch or Spanish, and they're looking for how is it that we help instill um, our traditions and our roots and our own kids. Right, right. Um, and so, boy, if ever there's a, an appropriate time for believers to be thinking along those lines, I think it's right now. Um, which is, oh, no, no, you're utterly distinct. I, I want that. I think that's really important. I want my kids growing up going, I am utterly, completely, completely, totally not just a like them or an American. Like, yeah. no, no, no. I, we are of Abraham's faith. We are grafted yeah. in through, through the blood of Jesus. And, and my tradition and my identity and the order uh, and the realm in which I operate is fundamentally different than whatever clown world is happening. How have they dealt with being called into something that's really a oppositional to the, the sea around them, that's, that's chaotic and saying, you're different, you, sorry, we, you don't play by those rules. How, how does that grab them? They've only ever said to me, I'm very thankful for it. I'm very thankful to not have worried you know, about why, why I'm a 16-year-old girl and I also don't have social media. Right. Like they have come back to us and said, we're very thankful to have been able to exit out or opt out of all of the things that are plaguing our current generation of friends. So yeah. 
that, that's been very positive. Besides that, they've never felt a loss, a deficiency relationally because they're connected into deep community with tons of people who are their peer set, who, who echo back to them the things of the Lord anyway. So that's, you know, but they go into work where they're definitely different and odd and peculiar. But I, my sense of it is, is look, they know, they know whatever is going on with Star Wars or they, I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's not as though we're talking about first generation homeschool com- community, which is yeah. what I grew up in with the bonnets and the skirts and all that. It's, not <laughs> like that. it's like, no, no, no. We understand it's 2022 and we know, um, yeah, it's not like they live in a remote, isolated world. Yeah. So the, the reason that we're talking today is uh, twofold, because one, you just processed your last child through through this uh, bat mitzvah. Yep. And then and this and also concurrent to that, you produced a document that you are you made available to your viceroy community and to the people who live around you that summarizes look here's how we've done it here's how we've arrived at things here's a resource for you so that somebody else isn't stuck the way that you were five years ago trying to cobble something together out of nothing so uh how did it go with olive oh it was uh, awesome and we did it inside of our agency we so we cleared all the work tables out and like Neat. did a whole a whole wall that was ivy and it was it was this whole thing so the production value had to jump a little bit because it wasn't <laughs> in our yard but we we really loved the backyard uh ethic yeah it just feels so like intimate and People can just get up and go to the restroom or go get more food or whatever. And it's very relaxed. This felt a little different because of uh, the location, but it was, it was wonderful. And uh, was Liam able to be there? Were all your kids there? Yeah. 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 He flew down. Mm -hmm. Okay. That seems important um, for the older ones to welcome the younger one into, into their little fellowship of, of adulthood. So yes. And, and because every member of the family writes a letter to to the uh, to the new newly minted adult here, and so them delivering their letter of blessing is huge. And so we knew it's worth him, getting him down here for that. That's great. So uh, let's talk about uh, first of all the age. Is is thirteen right for every child? How do how do you arrive at thirteen? Well, you know, historically, the bar mitzvah is 13 for the boy, and it's the bat mitzvah is 12 for the girl, which is, that's just a historical touch point. Um, you know, Stephen, I go back to, there's no rules. I, I mean, <laughs> I, everything that we're doing is like <sighs> us just praying and talking and going, hey, would it be cool if, yeah, yeah, for sure, let's do that. And so... If you if you say, look, I, I miss my kid's 13th, but he's got a 14th coming up, then great. Do that. Um, I just think it's a, it is a nice uh, interval marker because it seems like, you know, women, girls do mature slightly earlier than than boys. But it's this real cr- critical time where they're learning how to put away like Legos. Right. Symbolically, they're putting away some Legos <laughs> right. and they right. turn to like 
actual responsibilities and disciplines right. and those sorts of things. So that's it is kind of a sweet spot in their development, I think. As I understand it, historically, this was the uh, the entering into the way of the, the people and a um, a recognition. I think it even had legal uh, ramifications. Like a father would say, "Well, the kid now he's had a bar mitzvah, so legally, if he goes out and shoots somebody, it can't come down on my head. That's him." Yeah. Okay, so that's really not what we're that's not a primary focus of ours it's really more of a calling up into the ways of your people the the faith of your fathers you know there's a point where we ask six key questions it's and i put that in the in the pdf there's six key questions that we ask them to affirm you know will i walk in the faith of my fathers and mothers okay i will um in time will i raise my children in, in the faith of my fathers. You know, there's ways that they're starting to think, oh, this is not a story about me, just a story about a tree. This is a story right. about a forest. Okay, great. So I have a little part to play, which means faithfulness came down the line to me right. and it better, it better extend past me. So I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a long line. You, this, you go over this in your document, but what, what are those words mean? Bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. The, the, what I read from the PDF was a, a son of the covenant. That's right. That's what it is. You know, one of the things that we uh, had every one of them do before their 13th birthday in that last year, one of the things we had them do, every one of them memorized Rudyard Kipling's If poem. Uh-huh. That, that seemed to be significant to us is that the if is the transition and what's more, you'll be a man, my son. And so we just started talking through, what does that mean? What does that mean? And you recommend um, walking through a, a whole group of discussions with this child leading up to that uh, event, right? Yeah. Walking through sexuality, walking through your relationship to parents and just going like, we are slowly pushing this across the table to you. You are going to be taking this on. And I, I assume that a 12 year old boy or girl is kind of going like, I, I don't, I'm not quite ready to like take this, uh, the responsibility of whatever sexuality stuff you're talking about. But uh, you have said this before, you want to be the first to market on that. You want to have established these things so that when the world brings them to your kids, there's already something that, that, that the world is, is having to react against, not you reacting against as a parent. That's right. And that was a, that was a big gift that I remember my father uh, gave me was to sit down before I was really ready and laid the whole thing out in, in disgusting detail. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, but I was thankful for it because then when you're in the locker room and you hear things, you're, you mentally can just go moron, like mm -hmm. doesn't, doesn't know whatever just came out of his mouth. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, but uh, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we preemptively get into and have discussions about. And, and probably the, the younger kids were at a distinct advantage because they had seen, they had seen Liam go through. Right. Now I will tell you it, it activated in him some misunderstandings early about, well, now I'm a man. And, uh, <laughs> and there was, 
there was a little awkwardness like the first week or so after his bar mitzvah where I had to be like, okay, have a seat. Um, you crossed a threshold into manhood where you are learning manhood. You don't, you know, there's, you're not there's, my equal. Right. After this event takes place, do you treat your children differently? Do they act differently? What, what are the transitions that you have to go through as a family? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. It totally does. It There is a shift in their thinking. Um, and we, it's not that they have extra chores. It's not like that. It's like, no, everything that we do as a family, now we start having conversations with you like an adult, which is now when we watch a movie together, and maybe we would watch movies now that we weren't going to let you watch, you know, six months ago. So now we're watching a movie and now we're going to stop and we're going to have a discussion about it. And one of the components in the, in the evening, the session, the, uh, the order of events is that that child reads a passage of scripture and then says, and here's what I know is true of God through this passage. And here's what I know is true of mankind or our human response to God. Yeah. Well, that's really that that's a that's a, a great moment where they're saying I can I can do textual analysis enough to know that there's going to be things that we can see of the Lord and then the right human response to it. Well, that's great for unpacking the movie we just watched, too. What it, what is this film saying about God or or mankind? Right. And what is it that we know is true? So it just creates an opening to lots of conversations where. No, discipleship in those childhood years looks like a lot of inputs, like a lot yes. of scripture, a lot of this is how we pray, and et cetera. And now there's a transition to you're going to be grappling with the bigger stuff of life. And as a result, this is how we're going to tackle that, which is it's going to happen through a lot of conversation. It's going to happen by going back to the scriptures and it's going to go back to us recalibrating ourselves to come into right alignment with what we see. Um, and let's identify the why that's at work in this film, because yes. there, there's lots of it. For sure. Yeah. So um, you said that a child that makes that transition um, gets more freedoms and more responsibilities in your home. Can you articulate some of those? Um, yeah. And also, it's a little different. Uh, guys and girls, right? Um, my the, the boys have much freer range in our city than our daughters do. Our daughters ha can go places with friends, with lots of, with a group of people. Mm -hmm. The boys kind of just strike out out there and figure it out. So, um, but it just means like they, they're, they can be out later. Like, so instead of we want you home by dinner time, you can come home at 10 o'clock or whatever it is. So there's kind of an, an adjustment there. There's, um, uh, we, we, we try and peg freedoms and responsibilities with one another. So mm -hmm. as you're acquiring more responsibilities in the home, we're going to, we're going to give you more freedom. We want there to, to be some perks and some, some drag force in their life such so as I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to think of the specific ones so for instance uh at 13 the boys 
I say, great, you're now in charge of lawn care. You, you became grounds manager. Okay, now I'm not telling you when the yard is supposed to be mowed. I'm expecting that you're going to pay attention and that I'm not ever going to be upset that the yard isn't mowed. So you just manage that. You manage going to get the fuel. You manage repairs. If the thing breaks, then either you fix it or you go drop it off. So there, there's, I'm just trying to push more like this is real life stuff. They all get bank accounts. They, um, they have uh, a specific little debit card that's connected to their savings. And they're trying to, we're just talking through more and more about how do you manage the stuff of life. Um, yeah. It may mean in like in their education, this is a, a demarcation where they bump into high school and now mom is not over their shoulder all the time. It's great. I mean, by the time you have high school, homeschool kids, at least I can say, we don't check homework. We are not right. Shoulder. They're just going. And it, and we periodically check in to say, are we glitching out somewhere? You know, are, are you know, but it's again, a releasing, we're trying to release and allow them to have more weight put on their shoulder. Yeah. As you, as you uh, intimated, our parents fumbled and bumbled their way into some of this stuff. Our, the, our parents' generation, um, they just weren't, they, they were conquering other things in the society um, <laughs> and holding down different corners of the kingdom. But like yep. focusing on your kids and figuring out who were they made to be and how can I set them up wasn't really on the, wasn't really on the agenda. Um, well, you know, the conveyor belts worked better back then. Good know? point. Good point. You could, could just set a kid on a conveyor belt and go, well, yeah, they're in school and good they're, point. In, they're in honors classes. Okay, great. They're going to go. And now they bump off of that conveyor belt and they fall onto the next one, which is college. Yep. And if you just get all the way through college, then you're going to fall onto another conveyor belt. And right. Okay, and all that, all that machinery is bust at this point. Yep. And as I have reviewed elsewhere, the the culture did more to shaping a child into the image of God than the culture does now. Right. Um, but I have a memory of my parents telling me in high school, you know how to study, you know how to read, you know how to manage your time, and um, you have the capability to make great grades, and we'll just see whether you're interested in that or not. So it's your future. We're not going to do the handholding of checking in. Did, did you get that your report written that's due on Friday? We're not doing any of that anymore. That's all on you. You're running your life. I had freedoms. I, I, I had freedoms along with that responsibility in high school. And it was and there was a definitely an un, an untethering that happened while I was still under their roof. Mm -hmm. And I got to kind of I got to kind of play at being a grown up while I was in their house and running my life. And then I, I always tell people that when I went off to college, it wasn't a great transition for me, except I was living in a different house with friends as opposed to my parents. But my freedoms were all the same. 
And my, I had friends who went bonkers in, in when they got to college because finally I'm underneath the, I'm out from under the thumb of my parents and I never felt that way. I, 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 I was out from their thumb by age 16, you know? Right. Um, so I think it's a very, it's a very healthy um, thing to, you know, back to Psalm 144, to look for early maturity for look, look for plants that are mature in their youth. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's, it's probably a, um, a good rule of thumb for anybody with parents uh, who are parents to try to, um, look for ways to, uh, encourage early maturity in your child at whatever stage of development they're in. Mm Um, and, and you have always said that, uh, what's the, how's the quote go that like young men, uh, 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 a trailer under load pull straighter, something like that. What's your quote? Yeah. It, it's not my quote. Uh, it's, it, I think honestly it came from uh, Mark Driscoll who is a, a hot name right now, ah. but yeah, basically men, I think he says, um, uh, men are like pickup trucks. They pull better under load. That's uh, right. And, and I think that that's completely right. That is a good insight. Uh, men do better when they are like chugging and, and having some hardship and persevering and have a direction and that's, it's better. Yeah. yeah. Which is why men should uh, get married and start developing families young also. Really? That's right. So in your document, you go over why should you do this? Um, why is this important? Some of the stuff that we've been talking about, you walk through, you give people a sample list of all the topics and discussions they could be having with their children. Um, and then you talk about the, um, sort of order of the event itself, um, how, how it could all run down. Let me just ask you practically, um, what did, what did it cost you this last thing with Olive? Sure. So. Uh, I was talking to Bethany about coming on and talking about this. And she said, yeah. Mark, you better be careful. She said, do not let anybody think that this is about the glory of the production versus the power of the moment. She said, make sure everybody knows that no matter what your budget is, it's totally fine. Do whatever you can manage. If you're eating on paper plates and got fried chicken, yes. just it, that's not the oh, key. Oh, fried chicken's delicious. Yes, yes, the colonel. Um, <laughs> no, I. Uh, but but her point is is that the doing of the thing and the and the magnitude of the moment and the impartation and then the the coming together with your community so that they all know that they they have a part to play in the formation of this young uh, man or woman. That's the key. That's the good stuff. So, um, we. This past one, because we had to do it off location and not at our house, was the most expensive one we've ever done. And I think it came in at just under two grand. Okay. By the, by the time you do $600 worth of food and you've got decorations, sure. I mean, it was, you're, you're, you, you know, because of your industry, uh, what events can swell to. Sure. But, but thankfully, we've had, um, my brother and sister-in-law are photographers, and so they've handled photography. We haven't had to, it, it's not like on the magnitude of a wedding. Yeah, but yeah. It, it does feel like it's nice and special. But most of the time when we've done them in our backyard, it's been a lot cheaper than that. 
and people didn't even dress up. It was just, it, it was far more casual. So Okay. And you, you uh, invite months in advance, you invite every member of the family to be there. And do you, do you help pay for travel for any, any of the extended family to come in? No, uh, I, I don't. It's just an, an open invitation. Any other tips to, to, to tell people for like the actual pulling it off? If they've got an 11 year old and they're thinking, oh, this is something I, I, I would like to pursue. What, what should I be setting aside? When should I invite people? Um, just the well, run up. Yeah, I, I got it. That's that's actually I had so many people asking me that question that I finally said, I'm just going to put it in a PDF because this is the whole thing from like a year out, you can be kind of thinking along these lines all the way to day of. Um, so it, it's, I, I tried to line it out by steps. And the, and, the, and the other thing I wanna say is, you have total freedom to look at it and go, uh, I like 20% of this. Yeah, and sure. I wanna do this other thing. Uh, I have a friend of mine who took kind of what I did and then also incorporated like feats of strength. So sure. his son would like, had to go and survive by himself in the woods in a tent for 24 hours and had, <laughs> right. to, like, had to kill a chicken and roast it over an open right, fire. Right, 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 right. There's, there's things like that, the coming of age component that some people really like to build in. We didn't build much of that into it other than memorizing the if poem. But um, yeah, I mean, it's all in that, in the guide, at least it, and really it should just serve as fodder for, what else, what could we do? And what right. would We do right. a thing because of our Scottish heritage that we actually incorporate the Scottish tartan of the family clan. And that's not going to be true of everybody. So sad. It's people who aren't of Scottish descent, sad that they well, don't have a family tartan. I am of Scottish descent. I'm of the MacDougald clan, which uh, is a well, delight. We have a tartan. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, MacDougall and Douglas, they were allies. I mean, that's part of the oh, same. Oh, is that so? It is so. It oh, is I so. shake your hand over the internet. Um, I think there's a book called The Making of a Knight. Is that right? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I'll try to correct it in the notes if I'm wrong. But it kind of goes over this stuff specifically for a boy. And some people got ideas for, you know, you take a nation a coast to coast trip with your son, you know, and do some events. So you, you have some of those ideas represented at the end of your document. I just want to tell everybody it's not overwhelming. It's not a book. It's a 20 page document with lots of pictures um, that is inspirational. And as you say, it's supposed to be a teaser to get, get people thinking, what should it be like for our family? What, what would feel right for our family and just some things to consider and and it's a it's a it is inspiring and it is helpful and I will be referring to it um, as my children come up into this age. Um, so how do people get this document? Yeah. So for you, Stephen, I thought, what can I do to make this so easy for people? Um, uh, because so much of what I do is not so easy for people. Um, <laughs> that is theviceroyproject.com, and I put a button on the main landing page. Wow. That's like a how-to guide and you click on it and that'll that, that's how you get the resource. So theviceroyproject.com and there's a button on the landing page. That's right. All right. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Mark, for your time. I think this is very valuable and helpful for folks. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>